please make sure you go over to YouTube, subscribe, or you can always find us on any of the podcast platforms, and that's Fostering Change. Well, you know what? It is hard to believe this is actually our 200th episode of Fostering Change. You know, in five years, the five episodes that we have been doing this, um, I didn't think I'd get past year one. And then year two, three, and now to know that we're on our 200th episode. You know, first of all, I hope for those of you who celebrated Christmas that you all had an amazing time with your family. I know that, you know, the shears, we, um, we've, you know, really do Christmas big in our house. Um, but I hope everybody had a great time. But you know what? I am so excited about our next guest. You know, I have, um, have to tell you that at first I didn't know anything about, um, our, my next guest, but then I started doing research. But the funny part about it I started telling my friends and my friends were like what you know are you kidding me you don't know who the bananas are and so without further ado I am happy to welcome Emily Cole Emily you are actually the founder of Bananas Foster but you're also the co-owner with your husband to the bananas in Savannah yes we are thank you for for having me we've got a lot of exciting things going on of course but Always a pleasure to hear what you guys are doing with your organization. So honored to be here. Oh, my gosh. It's actually an honor to have you. You know, the fact is, is that, you know, I was reading information that you all actually have 1.4 million people on a waiting list for tickets. So 1.4 was within the first 48 hours of announcing our 2024. It has grown from there, but that was in the first two days since we announced our 2024 schedule. So tell me, what do you think it is? You know, I think that people are just looking for an outlet to have fun and to feel joy uh, because there are so many stresses in the world and we really provide that escape for people. We One of the things that makes me so happy is being able to walk around the ballpark and see a toddler on a grandparent's lap because this thing is enjoyed by generations. You know, that this is one of the only things that you can come to with multiple generations and people are happy together. Uh, the screens are down and they are in the moment with the people that they love, just smiling and having fun and laughing. And so um, grateful to have been able to provide that to a lot of people. So you do know that who you guys are compared to when it comes to basketball and baseball. Yes. Yeah, we take a lot of pride in that. You know, the Harlem Globetrotters, I'm sure, is who you're talking about. And they did a lot of great things for the sport of basketball. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that, but a lot of the things that are in the sport of basketball now were actually started by the Globetrotters. And so there's a, a lot of similarities there. You know, we do travel the country. We have a lot of fun. I will say one thing that's very different is that our games are not scripted. So when you go watch the Globetrotters, you know that they're always going to beat the Generals. Uh, when you watch our games, you never know who's going to win because while we, yeah, we try to control all of the other things, you know, the, the sights and the smells and the, the music and all the rest of your experience, but what happens on the actual baseball diamond from an athletic standpoint is something that we don't try to script. We couldn't even try if we wanted to, because baseball is just too hard to do it that way. But yeah, that's completely competitive. 
Well, I have to tell you, um, you know, I've been lucky enough and my family to actually um, done. We did a TV show in October that was released um, with the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, and so um, and they actually brought you up as well. And the fact that, you know, there's so much love there. And, you know, for me, you know, I'm 57 years old. And I remember as a young boy on a Saturday morning, waking up and watching them as a cartoon when they became a cartoon. And then I started reading all about you and everything that you're doing. And, and I love the fact that you're bringing families together of all generations. But, you know, you decided to take it one step further. And this is the thing that absolutely warmed my heart. You know, there are so many different um, sporting events out there. And the one thing that I, I, I just never hear is I never hear the F word. I never hear anyone talking about foster care. And you know my story, you know, my five beautiful babies that are on the wall behind me, um, that, that foster care is you know, as I say it, I took my pain and turned it into my passion um, to bring awareness to foster care. And that's exactly what you are doing with your nonprofit. Can you tell me about how this started? Because to me, the thing that I've not seen that you're doing, and by the way, I have been all over the country and now all over the world when it comes to foster care. I have never seen an organization that is so focused on building a strong family for foster care. That's just, we're not seeing that. Yeah, well, thank you for the introduction to it. Um, it's still kind of a new project for us, but my husband and I have been licensed for about three years. And in that time, we've been fortunate that the bananas have grown their platform, you know, to, to a bigger size than we ever could have imagined. And so while we're starting our foster care journey, the bananas are simultaneously growing and we're thinking, okay, we can't bring every child into our home, but what can we do? And you look around and we have this platform now of 10 million plus people on social media and, you know, the millions of people who come to our live events every year, it's like, how can we use that for good? Uh, and one of the things that we really wanted to focus on is, is staying true to who the bananas are, which we are a brand that is full of joy. And so while a lot of nonprofits are out there with different goals, all good, um, we needed to make sure when we created ours that we were going to stay aligned with the bananas brand. And so in creating Bananas Foster, we wanted to, to focus on the positives. And sometimes you have to dig really far down, but there are positives in this foster care world. And a lot of the time it comes back to the people. There are incredible workers and incredible foster parents doing incredible things, but they often do not get thanked and they do not have the light shined on them in a positive way. And so when creating Bananas Foster, yes, our ultimate goal, which I'll get to in a little bit, is about you know the harshness of what's going on for these children. We wanted to start by focusing on the positive, which would be celebrating the people who are already doing amazing things. We know we're not going to come in and reinvent the wheel. We're new to this space. Um, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel or push anybody out. But if we can walk alongside some of these heroes who are already doing amazing things and just tell the world, shout from the mountaintops what they're doing, um, we're gonna we're gonna open up so many other people's eyes to what's going on down the road from us. 
I mean, let me tell you something, you know, as someone who has a nonprofit, this is we're in our almost 12th year. Um, one of the things, and by the way, I come from the dot-com world. And so, you know, being in the dot-org world has been so different. But the one thing that I've seen as nonprofits is that we do not work together enough. And because of us not working together enough, the needle isn't moving fast enough. And I love the fact that what you said is that, you know, coming in and walking and standing side by side, because I tell people that all the time, I have nonprofits that reach out to me. And I'm like, hey, by the way, you want my grant list? And they're like, what? And I'm like, you want my grant list? I was like, there's enough money to go around. You know, not everybody's going to give to comfort cases, but maybe they might give to your organization. And, and I think that we need to have more of that standing together as a team, you know, speaking of baseball, you know, standing together as a team, um, um, because I think that's what children truly, truly do deserve. You know, you made you brought up the comment about the fact of the light not shining. And, you know, as we know what our statistics are when it comes to foster parents, they only last about 18 months. The turnover is about 18 months when it comes to foster parents. And I truly believe that that, and again, this is my opinion. And by the way, all of you who give to send me the hate mail, I've been getting it for years. I'm okay with it. I got tough skin. I believe that the turnover is because there's not enough support for foster parents. I truly believe, you know, as a, as a father who was, you know, I grew up in the system and then to adopt five children out of the system, the, the lack of support, you know, that I know that my husband and I received, I can't imagine for those who financially can't afford the things that we were able to, I think it's all comes from support. I completely agree with you. And so our overall, our overarching goal here is to get more people involved. And really at the root of that is to get more foster parents. You know, we are so blessed, as you alluded to earlier, about the wait list that we have for people waiting to come to a bananas game. You know, over a million people just on a list ready to buy tickets when we say, hey, here's the opportunity. We're dreaming big and saying, why can't we create a wait list of foster families? Because if we do that, then that is going to help so many more things down the road, right? We're, we're looking upstream here. Hey, if we have a pool of people ready in the wings waiting, no, of course, we don't, we don't want kids coming into care all the time. But if they do, if we matched them with the right family, how much trauma are we saving down the road by disrupting the placement, by having the foster parents quit within the first year, which is what statistics show us they're going to do. If we have a, a child come into a home and the home speaks a different language, how are we setting that child up for success? You're right. So our goal here is to get more people involved, to have more families waiting so that the foster parents who are out there are not just answering the phone and accepting any placement because they have kind of a, a closet open and the DSS worker said you could put a mattress in there and it would work. You know, that's what we're doing is we're, we're putting kids in homes that, yes, they're willing to open up, but they might not be in the best position to, to accept more, more kids. Right. So if we had a plethora of families who could each welcome one child who was a true fit for their family so that that family could walk alongside that child and that biological family and help them to reunification or to help them with the next steps, they didn't have to take on seven cases at once. Um, you know, they, they weren't having all this burnout because they were, they were dealing with one case we just see such a bigger success rate if we focus on that. But it comes back to the root of every community not having enough foster families.
Yeah, but you know, I also think that it's also the fact that we do not educate our community enough about children who are in the system. You know, there is this myth, and you talked about it, about shining light on the good. You have to say, I mean, every time you turn on the news or read a newspaper article, it's always the bad. It's always the bad. It's always the bad. And all of a sudden, I have people who have said to me, well, isn't that a bad kid? Isn't that why they're in foster? You know, I remind people, as I remind all of our viewers and listeners, I say this all the time. Kids come into the system because of a choice someone else made, a choice that someone else made. That's why they come into the system, not their choice, you know. And so, you know, we need to stop with the myths of these kids being bad kids, you know. And I think we need to get into our communities and really educate them. One of the things I always I've asked my 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 minister we're Methodists. And I, I remember going to my Methodist minister and I asked her, I said, Reverend Esther, I said, um, you know, when is a social worker ever called um, you and asked to come and speak to our congregation about foster care? And she said, you know, Rob, she says, I've been, you know, the minister of this church for like 10 years at that time. And she says, I've never received a call. I said, why do you think that is? And she says, I don't know. What do you think? And I said, because we live on one side of the track. We live on one side of the track. And, you know, and I want our listeners and viewers to know that, that people think that if you're in a certain income level, you don't care. You And that's not true. That's not true. I think we need to get out there and educate our community about these beautiful kids who are just looking for stability, stability. And I love that that's what you guys are doing. Yeah. One of my favorite moments at every game now is we take a foster family on the field and we recognize them. And we we tell the whole stadium, whether it's 5,000 at that stadium or 25,000 at that stadium, we stand there and we tell the whole stadium what rock stars they are. And while that is a special moment, what's really cool is when I'm walking off the field with this family and we're going back up the steps and people are coming into the aisle and hugging them and, and shaking their hand and saying, thank you for what you're doing. I had no idea. In every city, we do this. And that happens. The reaction is the same. People are saying, wow, look at that hero. I didn't know that was going on here in this community. Maybe I could do that. And so we see the connections starting to be, I mean, we're, we're using it as an educational piece without that being the main intention, right? right. Like we're going in to celebrate these people, but I know that there's 20,000 people listening who might not have ever had any interaction with foster care before. And so the educational piece is a huge part of it. And we're definitely focused on that as well. It's important. Yeah, I think it's really important. You know, I, I've been very fortunate over the years that I've actually had people reach out to me and said, you know, I my family never thought about fostering until we heard you speak or until we read your book. And all of a sudden it was like a light went off and they were like, why can't we do this? And, you know, I just recently spoke to a gentleman, um, him and his wife just adopted um, their child who had arrived from foster care, carrying a comfort case um, and had decided to foster because I'd read, read my book. And it just, my heart just was like, you know, and, and I want our listeners to know something. And I, Emily, I know you feel the same exact way. We do believe that reunification is the best for any child. You know, the best for any child. I mean, first of all, I, I'll be the first one to say this. Foster care is not the answer. It's not the answer. I mean, we need to figure out as a community how to go in and truly foster the family as a whole. I mean, truly, you know, bring, bringing that child out of a situation, unless it's that situation that is, is you know, I have kids who it was abuse. I mean, there it's no other. But when we start looking at that fine line of neglect, 
when we find out that neglect is because we have a single mom and she's not able to pay the electric. So you take your child. You have a single mom who, you know, has to leave her three-year-old with her 12-year-old because she can't pay for daycare, but she is going to a job to, to pay that rent. They take the child. We as a society have to get back to the roots of community. And, and with you in these games, you're, you're seeing that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really special when somebody comes up to us and says, you know, I was in this situation and I either had a great social worker or I had um, a, a foster family who had my kids who communicated with me. And, and so we are starting to hear all of those stories from all the different angles. And again, going back to us not trying to reinvent the wheel, really what we're trying to do is just be connectors. You know, we're not an agency for licensing. We're not the foster care closet. You know, we don't have certain things that our, our other nonprofit friends down the road do. But if we start to hear these stories and we are opening up doors and connecting everybody in the foster care world to whomever they want to be connected to, I think that we can all help this become more successful for everybody, including the biological family. They're a huge part of this foster care world that we don't really focus on. Yeah, we, we constantly, for some reason, we 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 shun them. We think that they're bad. You know, each and every one of us have fallen one time in our life. And, you know, we're very lucky as a family. You know, we have one birth mother out of for two of our kids. I mean, we're very close to. And we, you know, she's invited to big events. And we love that. And we and I think that that makes a healthier child. It makes a healthier child. And I think mm -hmm. that that's what our job is, is as, as humans are to do, is to make sure that our, you know, I. I say this to people all the time is that, you know, when I was younger, I, I used to, people would say, oh, invest in a child and you invest in their future. And, and I've now gotten to the age where I tell kids all the time, if someone tells you that it's not true. When you invest in a child, you actually invest in my future because they're yeah. the leaders of tomorrow. They're yeah, leaders our whole society. Yeah. yeah. Our whole society. And, you know, the fact is you, you mentioned about this, you know, we both know that foster care is always going to be around. We're averaging, we're hovering about 700 kids a day that are entering our system. You know, Emily, I'm hearing stories and have actually gone and witnessed where we have different states where um, kids are actually sleeping in offices. Um, it's happening in your state. It's happening in my state. Um, and, you know, and it's because of exactly what you guys are trying to do. We don't have enough foster parents. We just don't have enough. Yeah, that, that's really going to be our overall goal is to just inspire and educate our community by using the, the, the large platform that we are fortunate enough to have and have people get involved. And when we talk about the foster parents, you know, not, not having enough of them, um, it's for a multitude of reasons. I think sometimes people are just unaware, you know, which we've already touched on, but the burnout is real. It's, it's really hard and it's really stressful sometimes. And so one of the things that we're always encouraging is if you cannot do it right now, I understand not everyone is in the situation where they can open up their home and be committed to a child, especially one with a traumatic background who really needs you. Um, but you can support another foster family. And if we can extend the longevity of a foster home being open to placements, then we are going to be more successful at this because right now the churn and burn of foster families is just hurting us tremendously. And there are so many things that we can do upstream to help fix that. Uh, one of the things I'm really excited about are our new potassium care baskets 
of course, we had to put potassium I in love front that, of it. But, absolutely yeah. love that. Um, but they're, they're just little baskets that are sprinkled with joy that we give to new foster parents. And sometimes it's right off the bat when they receive a placement. But more and more, we're, we're giving it to people and we're saying, save this for a tough day. Save this for a court day. Save this for the day that successfully you reunify a child, but we know that your heart is heavy um, because what we want to do is walk alongside these foster families and give them that encouragement and give them that support when they're starting to feel like maybe I can throw the towel in now, you know, I've done it. It's been hard. Uh, we want to walk alongside them then and say, no, keep going. We need you. We're here with you to, to encourage you to keep doing more, take in another placement, help another child and family. And so these potassium care baskets, I hope, are going to help extend that longevity of, um, you know, families being open. Well, let me tell you something. I've spoken to your team about those baskets and I am absolutely, I, I was thrilled to death. I have talked to people about those baskets because I truly do know, you know, the, the saddest thing for me is when I hear statistics where, you know, a child has been, you know, moved three and four times within the first thousand days because of the burnout of the foster parents. And, you know, and I think that if if we as a community came together and stood next to the foster parents to give them, you know, maybe you need a date night. You know, maybe, you know, I mean, there were, I mean, within three months, we had four kids. And so, yeah, we were a little crazy, but we had four kids within three months. And, you know, there were times that my husband and I looked at each other and thought, oh my gosh, can we really do this? But, you know, yeah. and 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 we we had nobody, you know, we had nobody but each other. And so it, to hear that you guys are, are standing there and giving that, helping that, giving that break. You know, and by the way, I want people to know this isn't a this isn't a bash on a social worker. You know, social workers, yes. we know that their caseload is so overwhelmed that, you know, they would love to be able to give as much as they could, you know. Um, but but we as a community can we can do better. And you're right. It you know, not every one of us are made to foster, not every one of us are made to adopt, but every single person can do something. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> wow. Wow. So so I'm telling you something. I'm excited for your new season. I hear that you're actually coming to DC, you know, which, you know, is is my home. Um, it's where four of my five children, we were they were adopted in DC. And so, you know, I hope, Emily, that you and I get to meet. I'd like I hope you get to join us at a packing party. Um, I cannot tell you enough that using your platform for what you're using it for is exactly what it should be used for. And I wish other organization, other teams, other things would see that, you know, building the foundation of children, you know, in our foster care system is building the foundation for us, you know, what would you say, because you, you know, you, you've been licensed for now. Um, what would you say, the first thing you would say to a new family that has decided that they also want to take the foster care step? Uh, find your community. You know, my heart breaks when I hear things uh, that you and your husband went through in the beginning without the support. Honestly, I don't know how you kept with it um, because it's a it's a lonely journey sometimes. And it's a whole world that you're opened up to that you most likely were not exposed to before. Of course, you had been. Um, but most most people who are doing this don't know what they're getting into. And if you don't have the person who's going to bring over dinner on a tough, you know, night after a tough visit or or be there for you to to watch the other kids so that you can spend some one-on-one -on -one time with kids, uh it's going to be hard for you to do it. So my first thing, even before people say they're taking the classes, 
is, hey, start talking to people about it because you're going to need your community at some point in the next couple of years. You're going to need your community to walk alongside you. Yeah, I love that. And by the way, I've asked that question to many, many people, many, many. This is my 200th episode, and I've never heard that. I've mm. never heard that. And what a great, great thing for people to know. Find your community. Find your community. You know, I think people and, have to go find it. Yeah. You know, it, it's not something that I think sometimes people think it's going to find them. Um, and that's not always the case. I think sometimes you have to be brave and say, hey, I'm going down this adventure um, and it's going to be hard on me and my family. And I want to share that with you and I want to be open about it. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to ask for help, you know, but I'm telling you now months in advance. And I think if we're brave enough to do that for our kids, then we are going to be more successful in the long run. And I think people need to be open to that idea. You know, one of the things that you just said is something that I say quite often. These kids don't belong to you. They don't belong to me. They belong to us. They're our kids. And just to hear you just say that, you know, you know, as we as we wrap this up, Emily, you know, there's a lot of listeners and viewers who are very lucky and they are very, very deep within their hearts of givers. And so if there's how can they help your organization? Because I love these hope boxes that you're doing. What can they do? Where can they go? How can they be a part of this? hope that we definitely want to give these families. Yeah. So bananasfoster.org is our website. And of course we're on all the socials, but for us, we're not going to be an organization that is the traditional fundraising and, and asking for donations. Of course, those can come, um, but we're very fortunate to have the bananas back this organization. And my husband and I believe in it. There are other people in our office now who are um, getting involved in supporting foster families or becoming licensed foster parents. And so our whole organization is truly walking the walk here. And so really what we ask for from the community is to come on our website and just help us share and connect. As you said earlier, if if nonprofits helped each other out a little bit more, um, it might get us to our goals faster. And so what we're looking for are stories and agencies and organizations across the country, because as we now travel around the world, um, every time we stop in the city, we want to highlight the superstars. We want to celebrate those folks. And so any submissions of amazing foster families who you've met or wonderful organizations in your community who are doing big things who we can connect with, you know, we're, we are fortunate that we get messages after every single game saying, hey, had no idea that this was going on here in Des Moines or where we are, wherever we are, how can I get involved? Well, of course I don't live there, but we have been connected to some wonderful organizations that we then open the door to that conversation. So we're truly just being connectors here. And so anytime somebody thinks of somebody wonderful in this space that they can put on our radar, um, you know, we want that so that we can hopefully be that spider web of, of connecting the, the wonderful people who want to, who want to help. Well, I'll tell you what, Emily, I am absolutely to end my year with this episode to be my 200th episode, my 200th interview. I could not have asked for a better guest. I mean, oh, I you. will tell you, I can feel the pureness of your heart through this screen. And I just cannot say thank you enough, you know, for a kid who was in the system and for a father who has adopted my five, I cannot thank you enough for being the human that you are for you and your husband, you know, how 
having because let me tell you something you can have any type of team you want you 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 bring the heart to the team i'm telling you that right now you bring the heart to the team listen up everybody um you know this is a first for me i am absolutely speechless normally i have nonprofits on and you know and i tell them to push they want the donation done this one listen she wants your stories she wants the connection she wants to be able to highlight those superstars that we know are out there and by the way if you're listening to this episode and you're a foster parent and you're just feeling defeated, reach out to this organization, okay? Reach out to me because I want you to know that you are my hero. And Emily, I want you to know that you're definitely my hero, my friend. And I cannot wait for you and I to meet in person. Everybody, this is another episode of Fostering Change. If you have any questions, any comments, and you know you all send them, you can always send them to info at comfortcases.org. And I'll be more than happy to answer all your questions. Until next time, Happy New Year, everybody. Take care.